You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. It seems as if my finger is pointing right at you, right? Isn't it true? God has a way and a capacity to be able to do that. Tailor these messages. We often pray, God, tailor this message to meet your people's specific needs. And that's true when God's word goes forward, man. Only he, you know, one person hears it one way to minister to him and another person will hear the very same thing, but it'll minister to that person in a completely other way. But nevertheless, both of those peoples or persons needs will be met at the same time. Surely you've experienced the amazing work of the Spirit in such a way, the same exact teaching from the same pastor in the same church, speaking into completely different issues that several believers are experiencing personally. As Pastor Mike will teach you in his message today, this is none other than the work of the Holy Spirit, which speaks into our hearts individually. In his study, you'll be reminded that no matter what you're going through, God can and will answer each issue when we seek Him. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 28 as he continues his message, God's Ladder. Presently, Jacob has only traveled about 50 miles, so that would have probably been the equivalent of a second day's journey. And then all of a sudden, he comes to this place that we are told to Bethel, which again, as I mentioned in opening, is literally translated House of God. Now, we're familiar with this particular location as we've been considering and studying the life of Abraham, who happens to be Jacob's grandfather. For Abraham, it was his place of worship. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 4. It was there where Abraham had already built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord, according to those two cross-references that I had just given you. And we're not quite sure if Jacob ever knew or even realized that his grandfather, Abraham, had ever come to that location previously to his own experience. But nevertheless, here, there he is. And notice also, according to our text, in verse 11, Jacob arrives at dusk. He puts a stone under his head for a pillow and, you know, some Bible commentators have suggested that one of those stones was actually one of the stones that Abraham used in building his altar. 
and there worshiped God. And, but we don't, the Bible doesn't tell us that, so I'm sort of reading into the, the text here. But it's an interesting uh, idea, and it is possible, maybe even plausible. But anyway, he puts a stone under his head for a pillow and then eventually falls asleep. If you think about it, literally, he's caught between a rock and a hard place. Okay, all right, what can I tell you? But notice, before falling asleep, Jacob looking up into that starry desert sky, and he's thinking to himself, God is out there. I know that God is my help, but the problem, how can I reach him? And it was that very thought that was planted into his subconscious that facilitated the dream that is recorded for us there in ver- beginning in verse 12. And uh, I, now I don't know, have you ever been in the desert? And, and this is hard in New York because of all of the lights and stuff. It's hard to see a, a sky that's filled with stars living in Manhattan because of all of the, the lights and Broadway and, you know. Uh, but if you ever get out, like, for example, once a year, our staff travels out to the Southwest Pastors Conference, the Calvary Chapel Southwest Pastors Conference in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, man, it is awesome out there. And i got to tell you something. I, I'm, my breath is taken away on some nights. And, uh, you know, the stars in the sky, and, and they're so easy to be seen when you're out in the middle of the, of the desert. And so, and and you just feel very close to God, and you just sense the expanse of God's creation, you know, and all of the stars. Patty, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Patty's one of the guys that always comes along with us when we attend that annual conference. So Jacob is looking up into that starry desert sky, and he's thinking, I know that God is out there, just considering the expanse of, of the universe. God's creation. And he's saying to himself, God is out there. And I know that God is my help. But the problem, how can I reach him? And then as I've already suggested, it was that thought that was planted into his subconscious that facilitated this dream that begins and is recorded for us there in verse 12. A great stairway or a ladder resting on the earth but notice, stretching up into the heavens. And the angels of God are ascending and descending upon it. Now these angels, think about what these angels really are all about. Well, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1 in verse 14, for example, we are told that they are ministering spirits sent to those who would inherit salvation. And so I believe that there are actually angels that have been assigned personally to you, to your care and protection. And I believe that. And I honestly also believe that one day when we actually enter into heaven, there's a possibility that we may be even introduced to those angels. We've talked about this before. Refer to them any way that you want, a guardian angels or whatever. But uh, I think we're really going to be amazed. And as we have these conversations with these angels, they're going to tell us, Hey, Mike, you know the time when you were up on 56th Street late at night and uh, you were uh, walking back to your car from the old Harvest Christian Fellowship? 
And you know what? If you would have turned the other corner, there was a group of guys that would have mugged you or whatever. And, uh, and he said, but I was there. And I, and I directed you in the other way. You went the longer way, didn't you? And how do you think that played out? Well, I was there. And I was orchestrating all of the details. I was pushing all of the buttons, pulling all of the strings, protecting you, watching out over you. And so that's, at least in part, that's what the angels are all about. Remember, he says he'll give us his angels charge over us lest we dash our foot against the rock, the psalmist tells us. And so these angels are ministering spirits. And Jacob saw a host of them that night and thus was assured by them and by God that he was not alone, but rather he was under God's protection. But you know what? It was the word that God had spoken to Jacob, which is recorded first in verses 13 through 15, which is in the form of a blessing that brought the most comfort to Jacob. And so the rest of our time is going to be spent on examining that blessing that God had spoken to Jacob. And notice it was the, it was the same blessing that God gave to Abraham. Now let's go back. Is that okay? And let's quickly read it again. Let me read it for you. Verses 13 through 15. And then we're going to break it down for you. We're going to look at the way that it ministered to Jacob. But then we're more interested in this blessing that God promised uh, Jacob is the very same blessing that he promises you and I because we are one of God's children as well. And then we're going to think about the way that it applies to you and to me. We want to bring it down to personal terms. Well, I want you to leave here encouraged and strengthened and challenged in your relationship with God. And so verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Which, by the way, is a prophetical announcement if you think about it, right? In other words, it was through his line that ultimately would come the Savior, Christ our, our Lord. Behold, I am with you, verse 15, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Okay, so therein lies the blessing that was pronounced upon uh, Jacob. Now, each of the elements in this blessing corresponds to a great need in Jacob's life. So let me break it down for you. But before we actually do that, I want you to think about something. And this, this, it's all God's word. This blessing, it's all of God's word. It's recorded in the Bible. But this is true of everything that's recorded in the Bible because it's all of God's word. You know, for example, you, you attend a service like this one. The word goes across the pulpit and has a, a, an uncanny, wonderful capacity to be able to speak to you right where you live, and, and addresses your greatest need. How many of you have ever experienced that? We've talked about this. How many times? I don't know. And this happens pretty regularly in all of our services. You know, someone will come up to me after the service, at the end of the service, and say, Pastor Mike, you were speaking right to me. 
And has someone been speaking to you about me? How did you know that? And I don't know it. And it seems like every time I use my hand to make a point or a gesture, it seems as if my finger is pointing right at you, right? <laughs> Isn't it true? God has a way and a capacity to be able to do that. Tailor these messages. We often pray, God, tailor this message to meet your people's specific needs. And that's true. When God's word goes forward, man, only he, you know, one person hears it one way to minister to him, and another person will hear the very same thing, but it'll minister to that person in a completely other way. But nevertheless, both of those people's or persons' needs will be met at the same time. Okay, anyway, with that out of the way, let's break this blessing that had been pronounced uh, upon Jacob by God. Again, each of the elements in this blessing corresponds to a great need in Jacob. The first of which is, it spoke to Jacob's desperation and loneliness. Now remember, up until this point, mama's boy, tied to his mama's apron, apron strings. Never ever had to experience anything like this before. Always surrounded by a large and great company of people. And uh, now he's alone, right? And uh, he's desperate. Well, God speaks to that, verse 13. Notice he says, I am the Lord. And then also notice in verse 15, he says, I am with you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And this ministered to and encouraged Jacob big time. You see, this was something that was very important to him. As I mentioned, he was not used to this situation. He had never experienced anything like this before. He was raised in the center of a great company of people. He was respected and deferred to as the patriarch's son. And then also, come on, Abraham, who was a giant, right? The father of the faith. That's the way that he's recommended to us in the scriptures. He was coddled up until this particular time, but now he's by himself. Okay, so that's Jacob, but what about you? God is interested in you. How does this relate to you and to me? Well, let me ask you the question, how about you? Have you left home for whatever reason? Maybe you've been ostracized because of your commitment to Christ. Or maybe you're attending a university here in, in New York. You've traveled from California to be here or Oshkosh, Wisconsin or wherever you come from. And you're all alone, right? Did you have to leave home? Have you left your friends? Have you left the comforts of your home? Or are you about to leave home to emigrate somewhere else? And right now your heart is heavy. Hey, listen, don't miss this. God says he is with you. And what a blessing to know that God is with you. Man, you know what? Th this truth, because you know what? Everything is going to fall into place. When you have the assurance that God is with you, there's nothing going on in your life except what God is allowing to go on in your life. That's one of the perks about being a child of God. And you can be sure of that. Everything is going to work out. You might not be able to see down the road and around the corner, and you're a little anxious about that, right? But nevertheless, if God is with you, you, you can face anything that the future holds. And you don't have to be nervous about it or anxious about it, 
God is going to provide for all of your needs and he's going to protect you. He's there with you. When you look around and it seems as if you've been abandoned by everybody, God nevertheless is with you. So therefore, we should be very careful about the things that we get involved with because we might just forfeit the presence of God. Listen, I can face anything that I have to face, sickness, illness, financial problems, people problems, church problems, ministry problems. I can face anything that's a part of my life's experience as long as I know that I've secured the presence of God. But if I've done something that I know I shouldn't have done that would cause me to forfeit that presence, man, I'm a basket case. And I'm climbing the walls, man. Let me tell you something. Be very careful about the things that... Listen, you can't put a price on this sort of thing. This is extremely important. Remember, remember Moses? It's recorded for us. I'm not going to get into all of the details because time won't allow that because we're going to receive communion this morning. It's the first Sunday of the month. But remember in Exodus chapter 33 when uh, Moses for the first time went, out, uh, went up to... Uh, Mount Zion to receive, or was it Sinai? Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And while he's gone over a prolonged period of time, the people who are waiting down at the base of the mountain thought that they had been abandoned by Moses. So they cry out, you know, let us make gods. Uh, Moses is gone. God isn't concerned about us any longer. And so what did they do? They took all of the jewelry that they had taken from the Egyptians when they had left Egypt, and they threw them at the feet of Aaron. They were molded into a golden calf, and they began to worship the golden calf. And then uh, God spoke to Moses while he was still up on the mountain, receiving the Ten Commandments, and then finally Moses makes his way down the mountain, only to find that there's this revelry going around, and all of these debauched practices, and they're worshiping this false god, this this golden calf, which was sort of a, uh, a god that they worshipped there in, in Egypt. They made themselves a god. And, uh, and Moses is just totally freaked out. At, at that point, Moses is just, he's ready to write these guys off, man, you know. And, you know, God, what did I do to deserve these kinds of people? They're always murmuring. They're always complaining. They're, they're a stiff-necked people. I don't want to lead them any longer. But then God recommissions Moses once again, and then he gives him the second tablets engraved with the Ten Commandments. But Moses at that point says, Lord, if I can't secure, if your presence doesn't go with me to lead these people going forward, I ain't going, basically is what he said. I'm paraphrasing there, but you see, he needed the assurance that he secured the presence of God. So this applies to everything that we have, whether you're Raising a family in your home, making sure, and, and who's up for that task? Raising our children correctly and uh, not making any mistakes in raising our children. Oh, man, that's quite an occupation. Or doing the right thing at work, making the right decision, financial decisions, or whatever. You fill, you know, you fill in the blank. You had better secured the presence of God. And then also, again, as I've already mentioned, and I think that this is more important than anything, don't do anything that would cause you to forfeit that presence within your life. It's one of the perks about being a child of God. Don't do anything that would forfeit it. Because remember, he's a holy God. 
and he can't be one with an unholy person. That is someone who continues in sin, continues and continues to live in sin. God will not be one with that person. You know, A.W. Pink, in his commentary on the book of, of Genesis, uh, was careful to notice concerning Jacob's experience. He said, and I quote, Write down to where the fugitive lay, that is Jacob, the ladder came, and right up to God himself, the ladder reached. Gang, let me tell you something. This is the way that God reaches down to you and to me at this moment, no matter what your situation may be. So that's the first thing we take away from this blessing that was pronounced upon Jacob. Secondly, through this blessing, God spoke to Jacob's sense of being totally impoverished. Notice in verse 13, what did God say to him? He said, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And then in verse 14, there'll be many spread out to the east and west, north and south. Now remember, prior to this, Jacob had possessed everything that a person of that day could ever have wanted. His family was rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And all this had been Jacob's. But now he's on his own with nothing more than the animal transporting him could carry. And when, in fact, and we'll, we'll discover this later on when we, he arrives at the destination at his Uncle Laban's house, who, man, I tell you, and I mentioned this last time, was a real character. And, uh, you know, Jacob is known as the conniver, the supplanter, the heel catcher, right? He was the kind of a guy that if he could take advantage of you, he would. And uh, you wouldn't want to have met up with Jacob. But now Jacob is about to meet his match when he hooks up with his uncle Laban, who was the original car sale, used car salesman, believe me. And uh, we're going to... And it just goes to show you, whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. Remember, he ripped off his brother's, the patriarchal blessing, he deceived his father, and now he's about to reap what he had sown. We'll get to that in one of our future studies. But finally, when he reaches that destination in Haran, at his uncle Laban's house, he had no gifts. But up until this point, Jacob was extremely rich. Just as those who confess the name of Jesus are rich today. That would be you and me. And, and how do we estimate richness or wealth? By having money in the bank? You know, something could happen tomorrow and all of the money that you've saved and have up in your bank could be gone in a moment, in a flash. Something happens. Uh, your pipe breaks in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Patty. And uh, Patty just bought a house. Him and his wife, Karen, are gonna be leaving us after how many years of being here? One of our elders. It kills me. 26 years. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my heart. Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea and he said that it's good. And then God made man and he said that it is very good. 
Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what He does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.